This is episode 185 of the e-commerce coffee break podcast. Today we talk about how you can effectively deliver personal recommendations that convert into sales. So let's get started. This is the e-commerce coffee break. A top-rated Shopify growth podcast dedicated to Shopify merchants and business owners looking to grow their online stores. Learn how to survive in the fast-changing e-commerce world with your host, Klaus Lauter, and get marketing advice you can't find on Google. Welcome welcome, welcome to, to the, the show. show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the e-commerce Coffee Break podcast. Today we want to talk about how you can deliver personalized recommendations that convert actually into sales. Now, that's the main target for most merchants. But personalized recommendations with all the AI and some are still doing it manually is not the easiest topic. So therefore, I have Alexander with me on the show. He's the CEO of CrossingMinds.com. He is a distinguished AI expert and entrepreneur with a background in AI and machine learning from Stanford University. Alexander holds three master degrees in mathematics, machine learning, artificial intelligence from ENS Paris Calais and worked with Sebastian Thrun at Stanford University to develop artificial intelligence research that provided the foundation for crossing minds. So he's a true expert when it comes to AI and we want to find out how that plays into e-commerce, into recommendations. So let's welcome Alexander to the show. Hi, Alexander. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you, Klaus, for having me. Just curious, what got you into artificial intelligence very early into the game? A long series of misunderstanding. I actually couldn't jealous for informatics when I was younger. just love physics and chemistry and math. And I remember for a very long time hesitating between those three topics. I was trying to find the one that would be the most versatile. And when I discuss with a few people, I always come back to math because someone says, well, math is going to be for economics, it's going to be for physics, it's going to be for anything that you want in life, even maybe literature one day. One step after another, math doesn't happen on paper anymore. Math happened with a bunch of algorithms. And I remember I met my co-founder, who was a professor in Paris Cycle, and my second co-founder was a professor at Stanford. When I met them for a math internship, it became suddenly a machine learning internship, it became an AI vocation. Just meeting the right people at the right time with an open mind. Okay, life definitely took you in the right direction there, as we could see from last November when ChatGPT OpenAI came out. It's exploding in the marketing space, in the e-commerce space everywhere. Now we want to talk a little bit more about how AI can help business owners in achieving recommendation, in achieving more revenue and sales. So it's a very specific market within AI. What are the biggest challenges that you see right now for business owners implementing AI in the possible best way for their business? There's a lot of hype and a lot of noise about like what you can do and what you should do. And there's a lot of people that are building AI on top of other tools. Like the number, I think, of services that were birthed by GPT. GPT-4 is a fantastic breakthrough. It's, it's an incredible large language models. It's been worked on for several years by OpenAI to get there. And there's an API and I'm sure a lot of services and there's a ton of services that are built on top of that. That means like, which just like a better wrapper around the same type of ingredients. But it's very important when commerce, especially on the Shopify ecosystem, are looking at their investment sheet and what am I supposed to focus on this year to make my business successful is to clearly, clearly, clearly identify what are the KPIs that they want to achieve per team, not necessarily for the whole company. So marketing and sales might have a different focus than product that might have a different focus than operation that have a different focus than even engineers at the end of the day. So it's really a matter of like trying to identify what are those KPIs and then how the 
consumers can be impacted or should be impacted towards those KPIs. So in the AI set of things, GPT is a great tool for marketing to some extent. If it's leveraged properly, it's something that helps you with the copywriting, it's something that helps you. But GPT is nothing else but a subset of what we call generative AI. And generative AI is not a whole full ecosystem that also is based on the concept of generating content from a specific type of input. It could be text to image, it could be text to text, it could be image to text, it could be keywords to text, etc. You have a lot of things that fit together. The investment and balance the prioritization across all those tools. In our case, our company is focusing principally on personalization and recommendation. The reason why we decided to go that way and a specific other way is that this kind of personalization of this like one-on-one relationship with the customers is something that if you are a Shopify or if you have any type of merchant anyway that needs to have a customer relationship, you need to make sure that you are understanding very, very early what the customer wants with a very limited amount of feedback. And if you become the best salesperson in the world and have your own physical store, the name of the game is really to understand when someone enters your ecosystem, what are you here for? And what can you get from you? What can I give you? It's not who you are, where do you live? It's that those are questions that might be for relevant before or after, but not now. Now the question is like, what do you want? And what do I have that you will need or that you will purchase? And that is something that's super interesting because it's not just AI in terms of machine learning science. It's AI in terms of machine engineering. It's being able to play those implicit feedback that are really hard to grasp, right? Click, the glance, the everything that you would do on the human to human level. And in less than 200 milliseconds, digest all this information, make sense out of it, and then send back specific listing of products for someone that would help you optimize the KPI that you want at this specific time. So on the homepage, it could be the click-through rate. On the PDP, it could be the add to cart. And on the add to cart, it could be the upsell and the cross-sell because you want to show more product that you would add to the thing. So there's many ways to do it. I've done like a quick overview of AI right now. I'm just going to pause here in case I'm going in the right direction. No, I love that. I think it was crossing minds to do things a little bit different than others. I think most versions are used to come with their profile, with their perfect audience profile trained by what they're doing for the last five, six, seven years with Facebook ads, where they know it's like, is this person doing this and this? Now you basically coming from the other side, you have a blank sheet of paper, somebody coming into a store and actually he's just browsing. He doesn't know what he wants. And that's how I understand it. And correct me if I'm wrong. That's where you come in. So basically you take all kinds of indications that they do while coming to your store to find out what they are actually looking for or what might be the right product. Is that right? Yeah. So you're absolutely right. We can play the game together. You are absolutely in love with music and you have a store of music that you cherish and that's your little kingdom. Someone enter in your store and I appear as someone to help you. And I tell you, Klaus, I can give you two things. I can tell you the social security number, where they live, their gender, and maybe their ethnicity. Or I can tell you the three first album they're going to look at in your store or that they're going to actually just touch. You don't need to have an MBA from Harvard to know as you're going to be the second option if you want to reach understand. And that's what's happening with most of the business. And this is one of those things that the Shopify ecosystem will help you out aloud because you can actually understand those interactions while respecting the privacy to some extent of the, of the consumer. 
The other thing that's interesting is that in the e-commerce ecosystem, so you have a lot of cookie depreciation. You had a lot of things that happening with Apple emails and all this stuff, of course. And if you're in Europe, like me as French and German, that the GDPR is no joke there. The amount of users that are anonymized or the amount of users that are completely new to a store, an e-commerce store, is roughly between 70 to 80%. Because people also logged in usually when they check out. It's really rare for you to get somewhere. So that means like any other system of recommendation that is not taking care of those real-time type of feedback and are supposed to give you a recommendation based on the history of someone are leaving out 80% of your user base that would receive just the most standard recommendation that would be the most popular without looking at who they are and what they're doing. And this is the thing that would really e-commerce merchants, especially on Shopify, need to start cherishing the most is this raw first party data that everybody has. If they have Google Analytics, I think there's an integration now with Shopify and Google Analytics. Like these first raw party data, but what are the users doing and not who they are. What are they doing is fundamental for them to really expand capitalizing on the moments on the session and on the follow-up with the marketing and the sales, because it's much more interesting to do cohorts on the behaviors and cohorts on the locations or other types of profiling characteristics that are pretty absolutely nowadays. Yeah, I think that takes a lot of what we have learned in the past away so that people need to be locked in their Gmail account, need to be locked in and all this falls away. So basically every visitor coming to the website gets his, his own recommendation. Now, I can imagine that takes a lot of calculation power on your side to figure out is like, what is the person doing and then coming up with the right solution. From a technical background, you don't need to give away your secrets, but how does it work? We have to have our own bare server where we have a bunch of GPUs in there to train models for each of the merchants. And what's super important is that each merchant needs to have their own fine-tuned models. That's why I'm not a huge fan of the solution that are completely relevant, by the way, so much better than nothing. But the one that just do a one-off, here's your model, here's your model, here's your model, here's your model, here's your recommendation, and then cheers. That's great because that's still going to increase your sale. And I encourage everybody that is listening to try a recommendation system just to see how that thing could improve their sales. And they might see a leaf of 5 10% in sales, which is quite consequent. But if you want to really dive into personalizing for your store with your user behaviors and patterns and who they are, you need to build a model per store. You can actually sometimes build even more models because some models can be fine-tuned for very specific KPIs. But the recommendation system that's here to encourage the clicks so certainly is not the same that the one that would increase the purchase or the long-term retention, like a clickbait or something that's here to convert on the long-term or completely different. But thanks to Shopify and all the integration that you can have with the APIs in maybe a few milliseconds, 10 milliseconds or something like that, you send the interaction to the API. The API is on the Google Cloud system. And it's a model that has been trained on all of those servers. And it took like a few hours, a lot of energy. Those models are trained and retrained every day. The full models, I'm talking about how the items are represented, how the user, like the correlation between those two, that's deployed to a cloud. Shopify and the clouds are communicated to one another. And every time an action happens, you need to retrain or reevaluate the user set of tastes or embeddings and then send back the recommendations, all that in 200 milliseconds. So you won't retrain the whole model, but you just would retrain what's the DNA, the taste DNA of the user in real time to make sure that if you're capable to grasp the context, because someone that goes on your store on a Thursday afternoon 
and the one that goes on a Sunday when he's relaxing also for two different users, even though they have the same email address, there might be a two different contexts. Like it's a different one and more weekend on the stuff and more and more relaxed on Sunday. And maybe it's important for us to adjust the models on the same person just because the mindset is really to be switched. But all that needs to happen extremely fast if you want to be relevant because it has to be 200, 300 milliseconds for that to be relevant. Okay. I think 200 milliseconds should work. I usually say everything that's above three seconds is bad before loading a site. I was, so. I was, I was just like 200 milliseconds that's just the API that you need to think about like, okay, how does Shopify is going to display that recommendation? How does the carousel is going to know it? I do have a very alambicated theme that's going to make everything complicated. What I know is like on my side, I can't go too slow either because so many things others need to happen at the same time. Yeah. Talk about the other things. I know you integrate not only into Shopify, it's the whole technology stack that you work with. What other kinds of tools or solutions are you working with with Crossing Minds? If you have an intelligence that's capable to know what user wants, you want to capitalize on that on as many touch points with the user as you can. That means it could be a survey that you send them for brand new users and that they fill up. And how do you leverage the survey to personalize right away, even before they're interacting with your brand? It could be integration with the emails for all the campaigns, for the follow-up with the right timing, for the flows that when they abandon the card, for I have a new product, who am I sending that new product to? It's like the reverse of recommendations, like recommendation of user for product. You have integration with SMS because you might want to ping them about, hey, I created a new page personalized for you, or here's a selection of items for the summer for you, or anything like that. You could have to some extent, but that's for bigger customers, even integration with their physical store. Think of Sephora as one of the potential uh, massive store. They have a ton of products. This is something that says it's a bit complicated for them to evaluate. And you have every summer, a bunch of teenagers, 17, 18, 19, 20, or maybe more that comes to an internship or a salesperson. This is impossible for them to know exactly all the products that Sephora has. There's like 3,000 products. And you have someone that comes and say, oh, I'm a little bit oily today. What cream should I put on my skin? And how do you expect that person with all the goodwill and intention in the world that started two months ago that would find, oh yeah, definitely, I'm going to ping you this one. No. So then suddenly realize like, wait, recommendation is not just for the end user. It also could be the customer support to make sure that they can recommend you. Even if they're not expert, what would be the best thing for you to recommend to that person? It goes to everywhere that you think I need to have a personal touch. Then this is where that thing should be plugged. And this is what you should expect from any recommendation partner that you have, because it's the best way to create like a common intelligence. Because if they're dismantled, you could have recommend six times the same item at six different touchpoints because you never remember that you already presented that. And the user would be like, oh, I don't want that shoe. No, I don't want that pair of shoes. Thank you. So you need to have this kind of like memory also across all those touchpoints. I like the example that you can basically upscale your own employees with that. It might even be your support stuff that people call in. Or exactly. Like that. That's a great example there. Now, in regards to implementation into a Shopify store, what is needed? What are the steps to get it up and running? For any recommendation system that you just install the app. After that, if it's us, you contact us and you install the app and we do a kickoff call. And we, especially in our case, like if anyone wants to try something, we have a three months free POC. And <laughs> the funny fact is like 95% of the people that did a POC with us converted, we make sure that we do a good job at deploying those recommendations on emails and also, but with the ease of integration and the flexibility of the Shopify ecosystem, it's just a matter of installing the app and having the right customer support. What kind of results do you see for new merchants that are using your system? The lowest result we ever had on the increase in sales was around 50%. And after that, it's really a matter of like, how do you combine the different algorithms from the homepage, the email list? We work with companies like Evan and, and Chanel on much bigger scale, and we reach 
results like 270% increase in some of the clicks or some of the emails, but that's a different story. For the Shopify, it's also very good, but the amount of data that you have is a little bit less because you have less users coming there. And so the algorithm takes a little bit longer to warm up, but it's at least 50%. Okay, that shows you the power of recommendation. When it comes to data, we were talking about data, what's the learning time before it really kicks in or what's the minimum traffic that you need to have as a merchant before it really makes sense? For a merchant, it's also a matter of tiering or like budget investment and what you get out of it. There's like always an ROI that you need to keep in mind. How much am I putting in those recommendations and how much am I getting out of it? This is why it's always better to work with companies that can do either price on volume base or price on attribution revenue, but something that's fair, right? If I win, if I don't win, you're not winning anything. To go back on this, uh, why I'm saying that is like, because some models might take much longer to get there and it's unfair to pay one to all the time to get there versus some models can work right away. In the case of Shopify, you can, without any data, just by looking at all the product catalog and extracting the images, the text with embeddings, like GPT could do for the text, but like there's many other models that could do that, like uh, the tags, the materials, the pricing, all such. You can already start doing what we call unsupervised content-based models that do recommendation in less than five minutes, just based on the content of those things. That was like how crafty that thing can. And you'll be shocked to see how good those recommendations can be, because if you go on GPT, for instance, chat GPT, and you say, I love those movies. Can you give me more movies like that? He would give you actually pretty decent recommendation, but he doesn't know anything about you except the fact that he said, I'm going to find out movies that are similar to the three that you gave me. That's pure content-based recommendation. So people tend to look down on content-based, but if it's done really well, it can actually be a great first step. So content-based is a five minutes. Then you think of a collaborative filtering, which is mixing all the patterns of the other users, like, and it's the collaborative string is more of like, other people like you did that, right? That's what you see on Amazon. Other people person also purchased. That's very much based on trying to map two different behaviors. And if something is missing from one person, they just see what the other person has done. And then after that, you get into more crafty model, which are more hybrids and that a mix of collaborative and content bay and all those stuff. And those ones can take a few weeks, but you can start recommendation on a good level with nothing. And if you want to start improving and improving and improving, then you have to make sure that you are in a pricing model that's worth to improve or in a pricing model that's fair for you to improve. Because if it's a flat fee and you just, the person would tell you, yeah, you have to pay $2,000 a month, which is absurd without seeing any results. That's no, you shouldn't do that. Okay. Makes total sense. In regards of store size, how many SKUs does a merchant need to have before it really makes sense? If you have only five products, you probably won't need it, but exactly. It's only a matter of like, how many products can I put in the page for my user to not be bored and scroll to the bottom? So usually 50, 40 poor products, you don't really need recommendation. If you have a customer journey and path and there's something that are not with the emails and all this, but it doesn't have to be super complex there. Okay. You mentioned a couple of your brands that you're working with. Are there any specific industries or verticals that are using it already in their business or using it more than others? Recommendation system or VP of engineering was the former head of recommendation in Spotify. So entertainment since the dawn of time, hammer down recommendation. And to the point that they built always their own team in app. Entertainment was always two or three steps ahead on personalization because that's the only thing that matters. Retaining people, showing them great content in my massive library. Then after that, you go to the um, e-commerce ecosystem because recommendation is very interesting on the sense that compared to entertainment, where it's like retention and click is hard to measure. E-commerce is super simple. It's like sales and clicks and I can measure that today if I once had deployed the thing. 
So people were actually much more likely to adopt that kind of technology because the results were so concrete. And with that in mind, it was mostly the mid-market that was very eager to try because they were young enough to be hungry and have the savviness to do that and still flexible to just try things, but not too young to not have the mean to or or to be the end of the world if they fail. So mid-market was always very, very excitable and exciting when it comes to thinking of using this technology in this application. Now it becomes a little bit more and more democratized. So small business and medium market can also do that. Of course, enterprise is always a bit more painful, as I'm sure when everybody knows. Alessandra, as we're coming to the end of our coffee break today, where can people find out more about Crossing Minds? LinkedIn, Twitter, the website, crossingminds.com. Please feel free, shoot us an email. We're happy to chat, happy to brainstorm. We're happy to help. We have a great partner network also, if you guys want to discuss about that ecosystem in general. We have also like a mailing list with a lot of ebooks and cool little infos and numbers and stuff like that. It's about recommendation and all the stuff that I always encourage people to look into. So the more people we can talk to, the happier we are. Cool. I will put the links in the show notes as always, and just one click away. Alexandra, I think you gave a very good intro into what artificial intelligence actually is and can do. And I hope that a lot of people will try out your system. The numbers speak for themselves. You only can win with recommendations that are really made for the specific customer. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Klaus. Have a great day. And that's a wrap for this episode. I hope you found today's episode informative and actionable. As a reminder, we have a growing community of e-commerce professionals where you can share your insights, ask questions and learn from other merchants. If you're interested in joining, please visit our website at ecommercecoffeebreak.com and sign up for the community. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and review our podcast to stay updated on the latest marketing trends and strategies for Shopify e-commerce merchants. See you next time.